You're listening to Super Yacht Radio. Welcome to Super Yacht Radio. We have the pleasure of being joined today with Captain Tim Davies, who is here to share a little bit of his story and a project he has been putting together. I'll start with some shocking statistics. This is in keeping with our series of Seize the Mind. And one of the starting points of this is looking uh, not just at men's mental health, but at the recent rise in suicide. Um, looking at, particularly in the UK, the figures have come out recently that 2020 was a very challenging year for a lot of people and has become one of the leading cause of death for men between the ages of 35 and 45 in the UK and one of the leading causes for younger men as well. Uh, Tim, thank you for joining us here today. Thank you. It's, it's my pleasure to be able to speak uh, openly about a subject that is dear to my heart, having experienced it now twice in my life, once recently with my eldest son who took his life at the new year and my elder brother who did something similar now 25 plus years ago. So yes, I'm delighted to speak and in particular about the initiative we've set up to try and raise money for those that try and prevent it, um, help those who have been touched by it, and also create a fund where we can feed youngsters, vulnerable people into the marine environment, whether that be red, white, blue, or flag state, but to get them out on the water. Um, because um, I think all of us involved in the industry understand the power and the healing that fresh air and water can do. So, Tim, before we kind of get into the, the project, you you come from a naval background in, it sounds like your extended family have been very much involved in the water as well. Um, can you step us through a little bit of your story of what happened? I mean, I started um, sailing when I was four uh, and I wrote off to join the Navy at prep school age seven. Um, and it was all I ever wanted to do, really. So it was no surprise that when I left school at 17 and a half, I went straight to Dartmouth with a commission to, uh, to join the Navy. Um, and some 35 years later, I left, having had a great career, um, some great appointments and some great opportunities uh, in the rank of captain. I started big boat sailing commercially, um, somewhat moonlighting whilst I was in the Navy back in 2005, 2006. And then around about 2009, 2010, started using sailing events as a means to raise money for various charities, initially Toe in the Water and then the Not Forgotten Association and others. But each time the beneficiaries were benefiting from, uh, if that's not tautologous, the opportunity to get out the water and get in the fresh air. And over the 10 years, we've probably raised somewhere in the region of a quarter of a million pounds for the various charities. And uh, happily, until a couple of years ago, whilst I had a P45, the company that they run through, Avro Yachting Limited, had not taken a single penny of any of the monies that we'd raised, which I'm enormously proud of. So I would direct to the source where it's needed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, whether that be towing the water, as I said, or raising money for sale for cancer, mm -hmm. or raising money for flight to help. Um, the idea of the event was that it would bring companies together and um, of, of like-minded companies, uh, we would then have a, an auction of promises. There would be collection boxes. And then actually on the day, 
we ran a competition for a magnum of champagne for the boat that raised the most money out on the water. And we would raise probably around about five to 6,000 at each of the events that we've done. But importantly, not just we were raising money, we were raising awareness. And uh, one particular company, who I shan't mention, although they'd probably be quite grateful if I did, then took it upon themselves to donate a significant amount of money to one of the charities. Well, actually, it was the Not Forgotten and have been doing so year on year for about the last five years. So that's how we've done it. So it seemed logical when I was looking at how could I do something meaningful following George's death, loving sailing as I did, and having done the charity stuff to set up something. So sail for cancer and fly to help was the gestation of sail to help. And as I said, we are raised somewhere in the region of 15,000, maybe a little bit more with gift aid that's gone to Papyrus already. Um, and my target for the end of the year is 100,000, half of which I would plan and hope to give to Papyrus for them to carry on their good works whilst also allowing us to charter boats predominantly in the Solent this year. But there's no reason why you couldn't roll the project out to the south coast of England, Mallorca or the east coast of America to take families who've been affected by it out on the water while generating this fund to see youngsters through in perpetuity. So uh, just to elaborate for those that don't know about Papyrus, it is a uh, charitable organization set up for helping um, as basically a, a support line, a, a suicide support line for young adults in the UK. It is. It's, it's, it's the UK's number one um, suicide prevention charity for youngsters, but it's um, set up to intervene perhaps earlier on than the more classical Samaritans, which tend to be, sadly, the last-ditch call. Mm -hmm. Whereas Papyrus is there mm -hmm. to intervene, and if you're a youngster and your mate is no longer behaving quite the way that you thought he was, you can ring in and say, my friend is behaving abnormally. I think he may be having dark... You know, how do, how do I address it? Or, you know, parents who've got a teenager that's being more difficult than teenagers can ring in and say, how do I front what I think is an issue? And they will explain and coach you through it. So it isn't just the, you know, harsh, you know, don't jump off the bridge. It's way before that, don't even get on the bridge or don't even consider getting on the bridge because if we can nip it in the bud when it's just a thought, then you don't get to the end point where you have to then deal with the fallout of the young person who's taken his life. Can I ask? Because it, with the Samaritans, it's it, it, that is more of the 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 last port of call, as it were. That uh, that people who are susceptible to suicide go to, where Papyrus is more, trying to catch people earlier and, and stop. Yeah, very much so. Getting to very that much point. so. Okay, and, and that helpline can be used by a captain who's got a deckhand who he's worried about, but again, doesn't know how to confront it. Mm. But it is predominantly UK-based. But as I said earlier, happily as part of this, we've now got Papyrus talking to Iswan, and I think they've conducted some training. So, you know, that will, that will help in itself. But also, if you're in UK waters, or even if you're not in UK waters, I think it's 0800-068-4141 is the number to ring. Um, and as I said, that's mums and dads and, and, and siblings or just school friends who can ring in to ask for advice of how to deal with the stigma 
mm. and the, the fact that you know young people do get you know depressed well, do. And, young and, and old you know i mean we, we had a we had a discussion about a year ago i think uh with um, some mental health people who were based in spain and after after the show we got a call from a captain who was on a boat out in italy and it wasn't just about his mental health but uh, three of his crew were in were really in the last stages of, of needing help and it's it, it was quite shocking how prevalent um mental health issues are and this was before covid um well can i uh, just to you know statistically globally one in four people have some issue with mental health over their lifetime however and we were talking about this before we we went on air was statistically unfortunately men have a much higher rate of suicide and they also are i, I think the, the percentage is something like 36 percent less likely to look for help so and that is really what makes the big difference and i think this is where papyrus is interesting because it is a, a support not for those that are going through it but also for those that are surrounding whether it's family or you know in the case of our industry whether it's crew on board sometimes the biggest challenge is i can see somebody is suffering but i don't know what to do i don't know how what to say or how i can help them so the fact that they are there to help both sides i think is is and and you were saying you know before we came on that papyrus have had a huge increase over the past while on the number of calls they're getting in as well you know they have i mean i can personalize it um and because you can't see me it's not so embarrassing but i don't mind talking about it uh, but i've suffered as a consequence and uh, sadly george's death kind of brought my mother my brother's death back into the mm -hmm. forefront of my mind and um it was the 22nd of march so several so the 15th of march this year I got myself into a spiral of negativity, which happily I, I got out of. But to, to describe it, I could best say it was like being in a well that you knew at the bottom had spikes that were going to kill you, but somebody had pulled the plug out and greased the sides of the well, and you were just going down, and there was nothing you can do about it. Now, happily, once you're out of you break out of it, you can't remember what it was like, but there's a feeling of total and utter desperation that you can't do anything to stop what's what's about to happen and I, I said it again to another captain if you could worry about that deckhand and he suddenly seems to be normal worry about him more because in that he's come to terms with the fact he's going to get spiked on the bottom of whatever's on it or he's in a place where he's at peace of mind because he's decided that he's going to do it and that will relieve him of the torment that he's going through. It's funny you should say that. Actually, my I lost my best friend to uh, to suicide probably ten years ago now. But that was one of the things that came up in the conversations as well. It was actually at the funeral, speaking with people, and that was one of the things that they said that in the last little bit of time, in the last week or so, there's that acceptance of yeah, I'm going to do this. And not that they become euphoric, but they become normal. And they're, they're starting to put their house in, in, in place, things in place. Um, but it, it was that change from being the depressed person to being the normal 
person where those around thought, oh, you know, it's it's good old Gordy again. But actually, that was the that if you if we knew better, that was the danger sign. It's kind yeah, of my brother like, told me told me on the Sunday afternoon that he was going to do it on the Tuesday. And I said, don't be ridiculous. I'll be down on Thursday and we can celebrate my birthday. And he said, I won't be here. And I said, well, just don't be ridiculous. Anyway, mm. Wednesday morning, I'm down identifying his body, not celebrating my birthday. Um, unfortunately with George, I had no idea. Um, and uh, it appears that he'd flown out to Miami, stayed in a hotel and flown back again. Uh, and he was doing what he wanted to do in the industry. But, for whatever reason, he chose to uh, to end his life and uh, left no uh, left no note. So we still don't really know what was going through his little mind, and we and we never will. But the sadness Look, that I, I, I talk about is I the sadness. Just, I, sorry, sorry, Finch, Could I ask? Because um, I think it's important for people to to understand it. There was no sign to you or your wife at the time. There was no sign that this was a possibility there was no depression it was just our little boy and then suddenly it happened well in in george was um is is not my wife by, by birth so to speak so it was a, okay. a stepman um and uh, was not massively close to us so it wasn't that you know we didn't know that it was going on he hadn't been that close to us for for some while but he hadn't given us any indication at all that he was dissatisfied with life in any way Mm-hmm. Um, and had always been close to his brother, and his brother clearly hadn't, you know, brought it to our attention. So, you know, it was a complete shock. Um, and I, I don't know. We, I, some of his friends uh, from British Airways, who I must say have been absolutely fantastic. Uh, they've been wonderful, um, and uh, I take my hat off to all of them. Indicated that there may have been some issues. Um, that involved, you know, that were at work that may have been playing on his mind. And I, and I do think that if he'd been made redundant, as it was something that he always wanted to do, he would have really struggled these last few months anyway. But um, he, didn't, he didn't have to, sadly. But I think uh, that's some of the consequence, whether it's an attempted suicide or a full completion of suicide. The family and friends that I have talked to from afterwards, it it there is very much a shock and a whole. I mean, death is hard to come to terms with in a younger person anyway. But I think suicide leaves such a bigger jumble of emotions with the people that love them that it is a much harder grieving process. I, I mean, I said I've lost, um, through the military, I've lost a, n- a number of friends, um, you know, been drinking with them one night and, you know, burying them the next day. But that's sort of kind of the norm for the military. And, you know, like you lose your parents, you kind of get used to the idea that they've gone. And it's the same, whether it be your brother or, or your son, you, you kind of get used to that idea you know it happens it's not but the thing that really haunts me is is the sadness and with a capital s that not just my son or my brother or anybody else but children in the main can get themselves in the situation the sad situation where they think that the only thing they can do to get out of way of the torment is to take their lives and i don't know whether that's because they don't you know value life or or, or whatever but it seems so terribly wrong that that is the only solution when we know that that isn't necessarily the only solution. Um, and then you have the terrible guilt afterwards that, you know, if only and what if, and you kind of go through the bit that I should never be happy again because I didn't do whatever it was I 
could have done to prevent it. And then people, you know, they will tell you that it's the result of an illness and it's no different than, you know, your daughter having a brain hemorrhage playing rackets or, or whatever. But as a father, I don't think that it doesn't matter what anybody once says, fundamentally, you're not supposed to stand at the end of the grave of your child. Um, so although I understand people's well-intentioned, you know, support, but at the end of the day, you have failed. Um, you know, you're not supposed to bury your children. And those are the three real cripplers that you have to live with, you know, every day. And, I, and I've said a number of occasions, I can't get to the bathroom in the morning to clean my teeth, which is about four metres from my bed without thinking not so much about George in particular, but about young people and suicide, which is why I'm trying to passionately want to do something to try and make a difference. And clearly giving money to Papyrus will make a difference. I think taking people out of the water will make a difference. And, you know, when people say, you know, you, know, you don't understand, I do understand. I know what it feels like to be trodden on. You know, and I've said to people in the military, the pain is not the pain you experience of blowing your foot off. That's a pain you can address with morphine. This pain is right deep, deep in your chest and it doesn't go away. It lessens with time, but it doesn't go away. Um, and, and, you know, lastly, if because I love the sea and I love the, the people that are mainly in, you know, involved with it, if we can feed youngsters into an industry, whether it be the superior industry or the cruise industry or the Royal Navy or whatever, then it would be um, a great thing, I think. And, and, a, and a legacy that we can leave behind and, and also hand on for others to pick up the baton and run with. Can you tell me you know, um, a bit about Sail to Help and, and, and how you see the, 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 the positive effects of bringing people, be they bereaved or, 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 um, or people suffering you know, from, uh, from suicide at whatever angle, what kind of benefit do you see them getting when you get them out on the water? Well, if I can go back to um, the, the, the the start of it, so, so I kind of came home from Mantega, buried George, and then manned it through until about the 3rd of August. Um, and when we were in the funeral um, at the, the service, a butterfly came out, and this is January, a butterfly came out of nowhere and went once around the coffin and flew off through the glass. And my wife, who's... Orthodox Christian and understands these things perhaps better. She said, that's his soul departing. So I said, yeah, of course. Anyway, my mother's birthday, August the 3rd, it would have been, and she died very young of breast cancer. Um, but anyway, I was on the balcony in France, same butterfly came round once around me and then disappeared. And that was the unlocking of um, about two and a half months where I couldn't control the emotion because I started to sob in the morning and I was still sobbing in the evening, which, you know, just one day, but it carried on. Um, and um, I found that I was actually going to see uh, Lee Stevenson up in um, Amsterdam, driving around the rock hard as an aviator. There was a plane on my left-hand side. There was nice music and I started to sing. And then within minutes, seconds even, I'd had to pull over on the hard shoulder because I was crying and I couldn't see because I felt that singing and being happy was so wrong. So I, I thought I'm going to have to sort this out because I can't keep controlling the guard on the train, you know, in uh, in Basingstoke. And saying, "You're right, it's absolutely fine." And my son died. So um, I went and saw this lovely lady and said, "Look, I'm in the forces, so you need to beat me up a bit. I don't need joysticks and soft music and told there there. I just need to get on and get in amongst why I am not able to control the emotion." I said, "I don't want to forget it, and I don't want to park it, but I've got to stop crying." 
And she said, well, is there any time that you are totally engrossed in what you do? And I said, yeah, I can sail up wind for hours just looking at telltales. I don't think of anything. I just sort of sit there in the slot. And uh, she said, well, we'll just park that for a moment. And she didn't. She left it. And I came home and my wife said, well, and? I said, well, there was no jostics and music, but I don't know whether this has worked or not. Anyway, a couple of mornings later, it was about half past four, five o'clock in the morning, and I was kind of half in sleep, half out of sleep. And I'd managed to get myself in the slot, so to speak, looking at the telltales, and I turned that sad one red, the guilty one yellow, and the failure blue. And um, the sailors amongst us will know, you know, sometimes you're down below and you're sailing and the guy on the helm's doing it badly and you say, you know, left a bit, and it just gets in that slot. I kind of got in that slot and I had a feeling of warmth. And in my mind, the clouds had cleared up and now that's how I cope with it. So if we get somewhere amongst this and it gets a bit sniffly, I will take myself to that point and I can control the sniffles. Um, I similarly can have us five in the morning, let them go in the shower and sniffle as much as I like to myself, which is where, to answer your question in a rather long-winded fashion, the idea of sailing came to take people away from that gut-wrenching sickness that you have to deal with out on the water, and maybe they don't want to think about anything, but at least they've had the chance not to think about anything. Mm. Or perhaps we can laugh together when no longer feeling guilty about laughing together. Um, and I said, we'll probably have a couple of glasses of wine and probably cry a fair bit, but at the end of the day, we'll come back in and I think collectively feel better which is certainly my experience having done it for self for cancer. The degree of feeling better will rather, I think, depend on the degree on where we start and, and how quickly we can go. And I'm not a, you know, a therapist, I'm far from it, but I've been through the experience. And, you know, it could be just, you know, sit at anchor for an, an hour or two and enjoy the peace of Newtown Creek, say nothing. But you're away from the constant negotiation with your emotions as to if only and, and, and what if and, um, oh, there's the things you think about are just incredible. It's, 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 it's the weirdest of things. I remember back end of January, woke up and said to my wife, I think, do you think you'd be all right? You must be very cold. And you kind of go, that's totally illogical to say, you know, unfortunately the, the person's buried, but you, you do. It's a, it's, a, it's a real myriad of things that you have to cope with. And I just think that being out on the water in the fresh air is a good way to provide that relief. Yeah, and Hence, um, we, we, I, we started it. But just what you were saying of allowing, giving some space that allows people just to have a space from their heads, you know, because it's very hard when we're in a low place or grieving to have any space outside our head. So providing a space that allows people and, and the focus is, is for the grieving families or is it also for those that are, I mean, how do you, how do you open it up or how do you invite people in? Well, at the moment, the focus is, is, is for the grieving families and, and the siblings, but um, the, the remit is broad and it's for vulnerable and for young persons. So if we can intercept it in the same way that they're ringing papyrus, I don't quite know yet how we could do that and then take them out on the water. Um, 
it may be part of that present prevention process. Mm -hmm. But as I said, I'm not a therapist and I, and I wouldn't proclaim to be. Uh, and it's in its sort of early days. And the monies that we've got at the moment would enable us to charter a few boats and do this a few times in the Solent area, probably focusing on people from the sort of Hampshire area. But as I said, there's no reason why you couldn't roll this out on the east coast of America, because it's the same thing of taking people necessarily out of themselves, but putting them into a different environment where they can gain relief from thinking about something else, as opposed to beating themselves up about what they have or they haven't done. And if only, you know, what would have been the outcome? Um, uh, and people, because I've spoken to, you know, quite a few, recover to being sort of okay again at various rates. And I, I know of, of, of one lady, and I'm sure I'm not going to mention who it is, but, you know, three years is not unusual for them to kind of remain in that day after moment. Because, I, again, as I was saying to somebody the other day, you know, I, I remember almost amusingly to myself standing at the end of George's uh, grave, looking in at his little coffin, thinking in a moment, someone is going to turn the lights on and tell me this is a huge joke because this cannot, cannot be real. But it was as real as you and I looking after each other. And you, you, you just go through that. No, 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 it's not happening. Um, but it is happening. And, you know, again, the sibling has often not necessarily followed the course that he would normally have followed because he may have been looking after the parent or not thinking you know, as logically as he perhaps he would have done because he's you know grieving also and um if you go on to the that friendship bench letter that was written to by a, a lovely canadian family i think it was to parents who suffered such a loss you can read down at the bottom that actually there are a number of siblings who follow suit because of the sadness associated with them losing theirs. Well, that would be a classic where we perhaps we could intervene, maybe even unknowingly by taking them out with their parents and exposing them to, you know, being out on the water. And if they say, well, that's really interesting. It wasn't a career I'd thought of, you know, what's the next step? And they go, well, UKSA or, or whatever it is to do your coastal ticket. And what's more, we can pay the 500 pounds to get you on that route. And, if you, you know, if you like it or when they come back and say, that was great. And they say, well, what's all this about the super yacht industry? You can say, well, go and talk to, you know, my dear friend, Chris Andresen, who's been a captain of some 30 boats and he'll mentor you through it or talk to Brendan O'Shaughnessy or talk to, you know, the captains that we all know. Um, and um, there are academies, well, one in particular, the crew academy who I've worked with yeah. and dear Andrew, um, <clears throat> say, well, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll give you, you know, some of this training and, and, and off you go. They will stand or fall on their own ability, but it may be that they haven't thought about it and they maybe they you know, didn't have the confidence to do it. And I forgive me, I'm from Wales, so I can't do it, but there's a lovely Royal Naval advert that says, born in Newcastle, but made in the Royal Navy. <laughs> if you were brought up in, in I don't know, let's not be too you know, zonist or whatever, um, you know, Birmingham, for sake of example, or somewhere further north that's not necessarily related to the water, you know, a career in the super industry might not have ever been on your radar. Or being a tugboat captain in the North Sea, you, you know, the marine environment may not have been on your radar. Now, I'm not saying it's the only environment, it's just an environment that's dear to my heart uh, and one that I can certainly 
be euphoric about and 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 and, and try and share the enjoyment that I've benefited from all these years whilst being at sea. Yeah, so that's Newcastle. where we are. If you're from Newcastle, <laughs> you become a welder. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, it was um, just because you mentioned UKSA, they, uh, I got a lovely chance to chat with Ben last year because they were um, rolling with the Edmondson Foundation a new incentive to try and bring training to less advantaged children, you know, teenagers who hadn't considered it for that, you know, because when you're in the industry, you don't think about it, but I certainly had never thought about a super yacht till I moved to the south of France. It wasn't I didn't even know they existed. I, yeah, I didn't even know. I mean, we knew about sailing because we live in Dublin and it, we have, you know, lots of sailboats in Dublin Bay. But as a career, I, I think it, it's probably more ho high profile now because we have series and stuff. But for a lot of people, they hadn't considered it. And there are so many different levels, be it you know, the route you took with the Navy or um, the cruise line industry probably isn't the best one to be in at the moment, but the soup yacht industry or sailing, I mean, there's so many different branches that I, I think just opening those opportunities up. Um, so for you, there, there's sort of three levels to your project. The first has been to raise funds for Papyrus. The second level is this incentive of sale for help where you're trying to raise funds in order to provide sailing days out essentially and then the third level is the um providing the awareness of the opportunities for young people in the marine industry yes all, all, all bracketed under sale to help so that so that as a as a charity we can be a distribution point for papyrus so wherever we go we can always um hoist the papyrus flag and and link them to the website and as i said i would hope that at least 50 percent of the money that we get full stop goes to papyrus um the reason it's not 100 percent um or 90 percent is that because of the constitution of the charity, Papyrus can't give the money back to enable us to charter boats to take people out on the water because they have to open call centres. Uh, and when I first started, it wasn't my intention to start a charity at all. I just wanted to raise money for Papyrus and uh, do this sale to help piece. But as with everything, there are governance for right and well right reasons mm -hmm. and from a governance perspective it forces us down the road of a, a cio which is a charity incorporated organization which is not as full-blown as the as a charity um and the governance is via the charity commission not company's house as well um although it can still be vat registered if it got itself into that position and it will have three um trustees the uh, the main one is a very good captain um, friend of mine in the Navy, former sub, well, not former submariner, once a submariner, always a submariner, a submariner. Um, Charlie, George's surviving brother, uh, is the bosun on a boat in the south of France. And uh, once Christopher gets to the age of 16, um, I'll put him into the pot as a trustee because I think it'd be good for him, certainly strengthen his CV. And um, I clearly will have some of oversight as the founder, but don't want to be involved with the governance of it. Okay. 
And uh, as I said, we've uh, via the Just Giving page, we've gone through the 25,000, the lion's share of which has gone to Papyrus. Um, and uh, hopefully we can get to a figure that's more than that. As loosely, a uh, an escape day is round about £2,000. Uh, and um, that's not, you know, someone going, but you can hire a boat for less than that. You can. And you can hire a skipper for, you know, whatever it is, 250 300 But I want to make it a special day so that, um, you know, if they fly down from wherever it is, we meet them at the airport. And if they come by train, we meet them at the railway station. And when we have lunch, I want it to be a nice lunch. And there are a couple of other things that I don't want to share, but we'll make it nicer and we'll provide a souvenir of the day. So in big handfuls, a couple of thousand does it does a day. Um, or, you know, if they want to come down of an evening beforehand, you know, we can do dinner, we can sit on deck with a glass of rosé or lemonade or, or whatever it is. They can sleep on board and then we can go out the next day. I, I don't mind at all. Um, it's a 24-hour period where we're going to make them feel special because they need to be made to feel special because they probably haven't felt special since the day that they were told, or worse, they found their child had uh, had taken their lives. And you have, um, if I'm not mistaken, there's a boat that's been offered to you on a pro bono basis when available. Am I correct there? We do. We do. Um, it's, 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 it's not a distraction and, um, it's a, it's a, it's a pro bono piece that, um, wherever she goes, um, as I said, we will hoist the papyrus flag and the, uh, and the sell to sell to help website to bring people's attention to the fact that it, that it's there. Um, but as I said, it, when it's in the Solent, yes, it, you know, it may well be one of the boats that's chartered to be used for this. But if we go even from, you know, Limington, I would use Limington Yacht Charter, or if we went as far south as Falmouth, there's Turn to Starboard who've got boats. Mm -hmm. And if we went further afield, clearly, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's not the boat that will be used all the time. Um, a lot of people have very sweetly uh, from the sailing community said, I know, and we know we've got a yacht. Could we, could you, could we use it? And unfortunately the answer is no, because, uh, well, unless they're coded, it has to be no, okay. because these are not friends. They're members of the public and legally needed to be treated as if they were chartered. Well, effectively they're charter guests and we all know what that means. But if anybody's got, you know, a spare 60 metres of stainless steel, 10 mil anchor chain, I'm more than happy to leave them <laughs> <on>. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I must say there are a number of, you know, companies and, and, and providers that I've been dealing with for the last 20 years or so in the sailing environment who've been very helpful. Very helpful. It is. Uh, from life, from life thing, jackets. It's one thing about the community, you know, globally, is that, that support that, it's um, it surprised me when we got into the super yacht world how uh, supportive from all parts of the industry people come together, which I think is a huge benefit. And Tim, before we finish off, do you have any advice or wise words that you would share from your double very hard experiences of this? sort of for people to kind of keep in mind whether they're they're facing into this or it's happened and they're still trying to process it 
Maybe it's a really difficult question, mm. but I was, um, <laughs> they, you want me to see it? I was at my haircut this morning. Um, the chap was a former drug addict and he was trying to um, help people in the round. So we obviously, we got talking about this and I said to him, you know, why do you think it is that people are taking their lives so much more today than it was perhaps 30 years ago? And without flinching, without even thinking about it, he said social media. Mm. And very sadly, you know, we've become, society has become aggressive, competitive, and I think we've kind of lost just being nice to each other. Um, and for risk of, you know, being lots of people writing in saying he's old, you know, old dog and old fashioned and stuff, I would take the whole youth of today back to 1950, where actually you were just bloody grateful to have a meal on your plate and be alive. Yeah, 1950s, 1920s were the same. You know, yeah. um, that was where the Roaring Twenties came from. People were just bloody glad to have survived the First World War and what became known as the Spanish Flu. It, it was that thing. But you're right. Uh, I think social media has uh, has changed things, and not you know, certainly for for the good. Internet's been great for for many things, but I think socially, the, the irony of calling it social media, um, I think it's it's caused and is going to cause uh, even more damage when it can be so unsocial mm. yeah yeah well, i think this is one of the the um you know the isolation that happens with it we had an interview about a survey that had been done in, throughout five different countries in europe and one of the startling facts that remained for me was that young adults between the ages of 25 and 35 did uh, 25% or 26% of them said they had no best friend. Now that, you know, we all have many friends, but for most of us, we're lucky enough to have a few best friends and somebody to really talk with. And part of this also was that they said they spend so much time and it was related to social media. They spend so much time on social media that they didn't actually get to see people face to face which I think is is part of when I've had this discussion with our teenagers, they would say in comparison to our generation, which I mean is the 40 plus, yes, people are talking about it more, you know, they, but at the same time, she would perceive that it's much harder for guy friends to talk than her girlfriends, um, that they're still surrounding it a, um, people don't talk about their emotions as much because somehow it's wrapped up in the feeling that somehow, you know, we're not strong enough or we're not doing it the right way or whatever. And I think the more awareness and the more discussions and openness we can have about it and, and normalize it to say, you know, 25% of us will have go through something. So therefore, let's make it more normal to talk about it and help break down the stigma. I think this will be a, a very big part of it as well. I hope for my children's generation anyway. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I think the thing that, that, that that's changed so much and you know, it, the, the World Wide Web and the flow of information, it was really positive, but it can also be very negative. And um, I think the young get 
access to a very asymmetric comparison of normal life. Because normal in the old days was what the kids next door did, which meant probably you were living in a similar area. Now, whether that was you were a white Caucasian and well off or, you know, whatever you're supposed to say these days about the, the converse of that, it's irrelevant. You were comparing like for like. But now, you you know, everyone thinks they've got to have a size, you know, size 10 figure and you're not supposed to have a boil on your bum or anything like that because everyone's perfect. But also it, it allows them to get access to what I call unfettered negativity at, neg you know, two o'clock in the morning without the parents putting perspective on it. In the good old days, and I got the living shit kicked out of me at school, but, you know, when you went home, somebody put an arm around you and said, there, there, you know, it's not the end of the world. But if you're reading at two o'clock in the morning under the duvet, that all your friends, for sake of example, without wishing to be fattest, think that you could be thinner than you are, and suggesting that because of it, you did a certain thing, that will prey on your mind. And of course, as parents, we don't know. We just, we don't even know necessarily that they've been under the duvet in the middle of the night. They could have been watching all sorts of things, but that damn tick, whatever it is, or, you know, it goes ping, isn't it? And they look at the phone. Oh, look, there's another one of my so-called friends making a really nice comment about my, my looks or, you know, the number of friends I've got, which, you know, in the great scheme of things, we know is irrelevant. But to them, it really plays on their minds. And if you're suggested that you possibly should go and do something that would end your life, you can now also go on to it as going, you know, search, how do I commit suicide? You can do it. Um, there is actually a lovely girl who lost her brother, Josh, and I can't remember her name, but she's done a lot of work to help Papyrus. She, through Google, has found a way of actually putting a um, something in there so that if you... I don't know, I haven't seen it work yet, but the idea being, I think if you do search for something that is not necessarily that pleasant, they can intervene and say, hey, stop for a moment, ring this number, or you know, just think about what, you, what you're doing, which I think is, is immensely positive. Mm. But um, no, social media, I'm afraid, it's terribly, terribly non-woke, but I'm dead against it. Yep, and if it was for me, I have a box, and I would get everyone's children to put it in there at least two hours before bedtime and lead it there until you've had breakfast together as a family, but it ain't going to happen. So we better try and help those organizations that intervene to help these children, you know, not make these decisions because it's, um, it's a very, very, very sad ending to, you know, what could have been, who knows, a glorious career. Yeah. And a wonderful life. And to a lot of very incredible potential. Yeah. Um, may I just mention for anyone listening as well, um, although we were talking about Papyrus, which is open to young people in the UK, for any Yacht Crew listening, there is a support line called Yacht Crew Help, which is bilingual 24-7 and accessible to anyone anywhere on the world. And they will be there to provide support and help guide you in the direction to find further support if you need to. So just a little memo on that for Yacht Crew tuning in today. And if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, Tim, go to sail to help sail number two help.com and or drop you an email. What's the best way to contact you? Um, sail to help is great for, is a great is the website for, for the charity. I think it's got a link to me, but if not, um, uh, you can 
get me on Tim Davis at avroyachting.com. And that's Davis with an E. I think there, and, is, uh, uh, there is an email for you there. And on the social media post uh, that you may have seen this interview come up, we'll also have those details. So just double check back on Superyacht Radio social media and we'll have those details in the post as well. Oh, Tim. maybe I must say, I've got a Twitter account now. I don't actually know what that means, but I do have one. <laughs> you can't have a Twitter account after after saying that about social media. <laughs> at, at, at sale to help. Um, and... Uh, I think I've got 74 followers of this morning. You'll have okay, 75 well. by tomorrow. That's <laughs> Including at... Salty Sea Dog and the special Sea Dog. Uh, Michael <laughs> Howarth, a good friend of ours. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for sharing with us uh, your, your story and also about your, um, your charity work. Yeah, um, sorry that you've had to go through that. But, uh, you know, on the other side of it, I think this is an opportunity that you're taking to help a much better, broader range of people so if there is any good to come of these things uh, you're certainly going the right direction so thank you thank you very much indeed and uh, and i'd like to thank michael howarth for bringing us together he's a good friend of the station here and unfortunately with covid we haven't got to see him that much so um thank you michael you've been listening to super yacht radio it's myself and mave speaking with captain tim davies about sale to help. You are listening to Super Yacht Radio.